Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1032. If you're going to be in Tacoma, Washington, December 12, 13, 14, I'll be at the Tacoma Comedy Club. Uh, so you can just find them on the internet using Google. Or whatever search tool, or you can go to id10t.com slash tour. But now let's talk about the corkboard, which is you, the ID10T listener, who are sharing your thing, or thing that someone made that you like, that you are trying to help support events at id10t.com. Like MD Metro, who writes, I've written a mystery novella, the first in a series, and I'm self-publishing it on Amazon Kindle. The Nostalgia Crypt, a Matt Molster mystery, is a story about a self-deprecating comic book jockey who sets out to find a missing young woman, only to be caught up in something slightly more dubious and dangerous than he expected. It's a cross between Fletch and Mallrats and will be available November 26th, just in time for your Thanksgiving break speed reading. That is a good cross between Fletch and Mallrats. That is fantastic. So, yeah, people should go find that. If you want to share your thing, events at ID10T.com. This episode is uh, a young man by the name of Norman Reedus, who's on a little show called The Walking Dead, uh, which is, the mid-season finale is this Sunday at 9 p.m., followed by the mid-season finale of Talking Dead. Um, that would be the 24th of November. If you're listening to this after that, then you missed it. But uh, if not, then go ahead and watch either or both those shows. Norman also does Ride on AMC, which is really, really fun. It's essentially like a podcast, but on motorcycles. So uh, I, I recorded this with Norman at Comic-Con in San Diego in July. So when we refer to Comic-Con in July in San Diego, that's why. So uh, here we go. This is the ID10T. And by the way, Norman is just such a sweet dude. And very wise. I don't know. There's real good stuff in here about flexibility and sort of living life as it comes. And you'll kind of hear some of the stuff that he went through. And, you know, he's told a lot of stories I'd never actually heard before. So, you know, whether or not you are super familiar with uh, Walking Dead or Norman or whatever, I still think that there's something there's something for you to get out of this as a creative entity. So here's the ID10T podcast number 1032 with Mr. Norman Reedus. Initiating ID10T protocol.
I did Dan Folgers. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, I've done I've done a few. And there's you know, um I've become friends with uh Terry Miles, you know he does that rabbits. Mm-hmm. You, do you know that podcast? No. Oh, it's fucking great. It's great. It's like a it's almost like a stranger things sort of story, but, but like Real nerdy, like it's all about finding clues oh and games. God, that's fantastic! It's it's awesome. Man. It is. The, I mean, this, we are in a podcast renaissance. There's literally yeah. a podcast for anything, yeah. anyone. I mean, it's the idea that we are so oversaturated with great content. I mean, it's we're, there's a glut of good content in our culture right now. Yeah, he's he's he has like four or five podcasts, and I think he sold four of them to television shows, oh God, like to NBC. Great. I think he sold one. Oh, that's yeah. great! Yeah, for real. That makes and, me happy. And he got in on it like in the beginning, and it's his whole living. It's making podcasts. That's fantastic. Yeah, I don't think I think <sighs> technically there was one year, and it might have been the first year. It might have been the first year that Walking Dead was at Comic Con. I think they let me post that as a podcast, that first panel. Oh, right on. Which was like my unofficial audition for Talking Dead, I think. No shit. <laughs> it was like 2011. It was that yeah. summer. And you yeah. guys are first did it. Wow. Are we rolling? Yeah. Oh, we're doing it. Yeah. Okay, great. It's happening. But uh, I think the thing that's been most fun for me to watch the past eight years, nine years, ten years, is in the beginning, you used to get super nervous talking in, like up on the panel and oh, yeah. then coming on our show. And now... You're just yourself. Like the evolution of the comfort level mm. and the sort of playing around with the audience and stuff. I mean, it. were you not used to doing live stuff before? Was it just kind of a strange thing to do? Yeah, I was, I always, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I've always been nervous speaking in public. I mean, even, you know, in the classroom, you know, in, in grade school, I was not the guy that raised my hand because I didn't want to talk. Um, but, I, you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's I, I guess just from doing it over and over, you know, and I've, and I've kind of it, you know you everywhere you go, you're just people are on you all the time. So you, I kind of got rid of that shyness, you know. I mean, when I'm doing a, a scene or something, I still get a little nervous. When uh, I, I, you know, what am I talking about? I still get fucking nervous all the time. But for some <laughs> reason, the Comic Con world, I've kind of settled into it. I mean, you know, also yeah. they love you too. So it's like you're you're coming into a warm room where you know people. It's not like you're going to get up on stage and go, "Yeah, fuck that guy," you know. Like yeah. they are very happy to see you. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I and I, you know, I daydream a lot. So like in the beginning, you know, I'd be nervous and then I'd daydream and I'd be trying to pay attention, you know, and and uh, I think that that helped me become super nervous, you know, I, you know, even you know, because how you do it, you start at the end and you kind of work your way down, and you, you, I'd be like two people away from me, I'm like, oh god, oh god, and then the next person, I'm like, oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god, and I'm just like my, you know, I'm sweating and I'm freaking out, but now it's kind of, you know, I'm just. And doing ride too, I think helped a bit. You know, well, that show is basically an outdoor podcast. Yeah, it is. You're I right. mean, because because yeah. it's like the the and it's genius because the the riding around of ride the show is just an excuse to like hang out with people and talk to people and get to know people and yeah. and and sort of humanize people. Yeah, and and, and I'm, I'm on the other end now. So like you know you know when Dave Chappelle was on it, I could tell he was kind of nervous. You know, <laughs> and. You know, Marilyn Manson, you know, he got over it real quick. But uh, people get nervous, you know, and I'm the one that's kind of like trying to engage them in conversation. Um, so, I, you know, I get both sides of it. So, yeah. I mean, in a way, you kind of do the same. You kind of do the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. But you do. I mean, the thing that fascinates me about you is and I and I suspect all the stuff that you do, most people probably don't even know about it. I feel like you have like secret art stuff 
that you do for yourself? Because I know there's photography and mm-hmm. there's it's you you paint as well. You know, I, I used to paint a lot, and then I kind of got into doing sculptures in, in wood and metal, and and then I had a little moment with rock. Um, and then I kind of ended up doing more photography. I, you know, I did, you know, photography in high school and, you know, you take the class and you're in the dark room and you go to like a cemetery and you just shoot a cemetery over and over again. Um, but I, I still do stuff. You know, I, I just had a show in Paris not too long ago. I had one in Barcelona. Uh, we're putting together one in Tokyo right now. I'm going to do something in our Basel this year. And the head director of the Paris Contemporary uh, photography show that they do every year, the big one, sit, just sent me a letter and asked me to, to do that one this year. So <laughs> I, I still do the art stuff. I used to have a gallery in New York um, on Bowery and Kinmare um, called Collective Hardware. And, and what used to happen in New York is I had a group of friends that we would we would make these weird little films and, you know, so-and-so has a camera, so-and-so has the lights and, you know, we would, you know, some, make masks and do these things, but we'd make, we'd make these weird little art films and stuff. And we would play them around New York, and you know, and that turned into two of my friends who would DJ with Mexican wrestling masks on, and I would wear a panda bear mask, and I was Pandito, <laughs> and I, there was a there was an, uh, a program that you could do to DJ video clips, and so what I would do is I'd have like ten screens in a room, they would DJ up there with their masks on. I'd be over there right next to him on the computer, and I'd be shooting different things on these on these things, and we kind of did that for a little while. Um, but the art gallery, uh, we, you know, the first floor was a gallery. the uh, the base The basement floor was a creature effect shop, and we'd make like saber tooth tigers for the Discovery Channel. And oh my god! Yeah, and then every floor above that, you know, there was like you know people blowing glass, there was people welding, there was people painting, you know, all. It was like a factory. That was the idea, is to make like a Warhol factory. And, um, um, you know, like Ronnie Catrone was in there. Like, you know, Ronnie used to work with Andy Warhol, and then he became a, a big painter on his own. He'd do like those big Woody Woodpeckers and underdogs. Oh, right, 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 right. That's right. Ronnie. Um, and then that place, you know, I started doing movies and stuff, and, uh, you know, more on a regular basis. And uh, that place kind of turned into a party house, like everything in New York does after six months, you know what I mean? So that kind of fell apart. It caught on fire at one point. Um, but yeah, I do, I, I'm always dabbling on, in stuff. Yeah, but that's the, I, I think that kind of like the dabbler is is a good, I don't know, it's a good life because you you try something for a while and then you get inspired by something else and yeah. each thing kind of bleeds into the next. And it's like, and, and also the the crossing platform of skill sets like, oh, things I learned as a painter I might take into photography and things I learned as a sculptor I might take into totally. this or that or this. And it's yeah. so it it becomes this unique artistic animal because of all these weird little fun things that you do along the way. It also, I think, helped me get over the fear that you were talking about in the beginning because whatever your process is to be able to do things, it, 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 it was kind of, you know, I'm... I, I didn't go to school, so I, I on any of this stuff, acting, none of it. So certain things would trigger certain things, and they, they all kind of bleed together. Um, and it helped me, I think, that was kind of my secret uh, crutch, you know what I mean? Th- to learn how to, you know, certain things would trigger certain other things, which would give me ideas about other things. And 
you know, I like a, I was in Berlin. I went to the Berlin Film Festival to get a a Rising Star Award like ages ago, and the first night I got hit by a, a eighteen wheeler, and I, you know, I have a titanium eye socket. In my left. I know, yeah, it's yeah. like that was like almost fifteen years ago. Yeah, so I'm there doing that. Um, I get hit by the truck. I go into the hospital, and right before I got to Berlin, I had read this this article about Miles Davis and and. It, he used to just fuck with people, just to get a response, right? And this lady's interviewing him, and she has him at dinner at this fancy restaurant, and he's he says something really crude about about her children across there, just to get a rise out of her. And he used to fight with his his wife at the time, Betty Davis, who's that I don't know if you know her as a singer. Okay, she, she's like, "Cause I don't want to love you," like just oh, right. funky, funky. Yeah, and so I read that I'm in the hospital. This friend of mine, this director, he, he brought me, asked him for these little army men. So I, I put these little army men all on the floor, <laughs> and I would take a little video camera and I would videotape camera moves. And I wrote a script about being inside the head of Miles Davis. So I snuck out of, and then I would send that stuff to a producer in LA, this friend of mine. And I would sneak out of, yeah, I snuck out of the hospital like two weeks early, flew to LA, and made a movie about being inside the head of Miles Davis. And at the very end of it, you kind of go into a reflection of of the sound booth and like those old Blue Note album covers, you see the reflection of Miles Davis. And so that's how you connect those. So I got all the way to the end of it and uh, the only thing I didn't have was a reflection shot. And I go out on Hollywood Boulevard and, you know, because we shot it at the Roosevelt Hotel in that big ballroom. Mm-hmm. And uh, I go out there and I light a cigarette and I'm like, oh, I got everything but this. And the dude that was supposed to do it didn't show up. So I didn't have my Miles Davis. And I... Uh, I, I light a cigarette and I hear this, hey, can I bum a smoke? And I turn around, this dude looks just like Miles Davis. And I was like, if I pay you a couple hundred dollars and shave your hair back a little bit, can I just borrow you for like an hour? And sure. Oh my it, God. You know, so everything kind of bleeds into other things. Like, you know, it helps to be behind the camera sometimes. And not, you know, I guess if you're a DP or you're a photographer, then, you know, to see the shot. But, to direct these little things and see the nervousness with people and figure out how to talk to them and make them less nervous, I think helps me become less nervous. Yeah, but there's also but there's also the um, but there's also the idea of uh, uh, that you kind of have this safety net where you know you just kind of know like, well, I'm going to try this. If that doesn't work, I'll go try something else. I'll try this. Like it doesn't it doesn't seem to me because obviously the acting stuff is going real well right now, but I also feel like. If you, for whatever reason, didn't, if it, if you, like, you'd be fine. Like, if it feels to me like you'll be, you'd be fine no matter what. And I think, number one, because that seems to me to be your essence, I think that translates into the character of Daryl, which is one of the reasons why I think people are so drawn to him because it feels like he's going to be okay. And, but, and I think that comes from you. It's clear that you have that in you. I think, you know, I, I think, I mean, at least for me, like if you're open to just whatever's gonna happen, you're gonna make it work. Like you know, you'd be nervous if this doesn't look right, and you're like, "Don't the camera people are gonna make you look cool?" You know. But if if you're open to think, you know, like I, the very first day of Walking Dead, that you know, the episode three that I was on, I didn't know how I was gonna play this character. I didn't know. I had an idea of like just being a nasty redneck dude, and and I didn't know the depths of that. And the first scene I'm in, well, the second scene, 
you know, I, I go up to, you know, to Merle, you know, I'm like, or I'm like, uh, I'm like, Merle, get down here. I'm going to stew up these squirrels. Right. And I'm like super fucking nervous. And, you know, Andy and John and Sarah and all of them have be- had become really good friends already, you know, and they, they were doing press together and stuff. And then I was like the new guy and I was super fucking nervous. And I have to say these crazy lines and I'm swinging strings of squirrels and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, what the fuck? And I was, I had such a, I was so nervous, but you know, I, I walk away from the group and then I turn around and I start to confront Andy and I see all their faces and they're all fucking kind of judging me, see what I'm going to do. And I was like, oh, this, this guy's got a chip on his shoulder. So I was like, you know, I just played it like that. And then I slowly found at least the first half of what we've done that way, you know, just being open to whatever's going to happen, and, mm-hmm. you know, and that happened, found that. And then as a group, you know, Andy and John, when they're figuring things out, trying to figure out where this goes, that goes, they would start, they would look at me and include me in the conversation after a little while. And I sort of ran with it. You yeah. Know? So it kind of naturally developed. Which is reflected in the character, which is that yeah. he slowly was accepted over time. Exactly. I mean, it's so funny to me yeah. that the show has been on for so long. It's like, oh, yeah, season two, Daryl, was different. I oh, mean, yeah. those old pictures of us, we all look like we're 12. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. we were very much adults at the time, but we all, but we all just look like we were 12. It's yeah. just so funny how long that has been going on the yeah. characters have evolved that it's, much it, and it naturally goes that way you know the the uh, as new characters come on sometimes i'm sometimes i'm the guy on the show that they go well if you accept this character the audience will accept this character and you know like they did it with cutlets they've done it with a few people and 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 it'll be it won't go in line with what we're talking about it won't go systematically from the first episode to where we're at, it'll be out of character for me to do that, you know? And, and sometimes I have to do that, but eventually it always kind of finds its footing, Mm -hmm. you know? Those, those relationships, I mean. It's, it's, it's still, and I don't want to gloss over the fact that you got hit by a truck, you were in a hospital, they put a plate in your face. Well, I just, you know, I brought that up because you said you'll be fine doing other artwork and, and, I was in that situation. You were in that and situation. I found something to do. Yes, yeah. because yeah. you because I know you were you were modeling at the time. And I did a product campaign. You did a product campaign, yeah. and Boondock Saints by that point was like five or six years old. Yeah, and uh, and everyone loved that movie, and the, and so I understand why you were there. I mean, just the juxtaposition of you're there to get a rising star award, and you get hit by a truck, and then is it? It you must have had the. You must have had to go through like, what the fuck is am I gonna do? Like, is everything ruined? Is everything yeah. gone? Everything that I've worked for, it was just starting to work out. It's lost. I'm never gonna work again. It, you know, I mean, I looked like my face looked like hamburger for a long time. You know, they would at one point they they would put me in the hotel across the street. You know, because I was in the hospital forever, and they put me there, and a nurse would come and check on me every day, and. I'd answer the door and I could tell by her face looking at me if I was getting better, you know, because she'd be like, you know, like literally look That's at me helpful. like like I was a hunchback or something. And, and but, it, you know, it, it all kind of works itself out in a weird, the craziest part about that too is um, I was supposed to go back to, you know, at, after the concert, I was supposed to, where I was going was back to the hotel to meet a, a director from Denmark. And, and, uh, you know, obviously never made it back to the hotel. And while I'm in the hotel that I'm talking about across from the hospital, 
I start answering emails, you know, and she's emailing me, hey, I was the person that was supposed to meet you, you know, and I, you know, you know, on morphine and all this stuff, my emails are just ridiculous, and, and she ended up making a movie called Meet Me in Berlin, a short film about never meeting me in Berlin, and it played at the Danish Film Festival. It, so there's a movie about that that happened that way. It, you know, it's super weird. Well, yeah, no, but that's but what you're describing between that and setting up the army men and making the thing and bailing out of the hospital two weeks early, which was a, an insane thing to do. Would I would I would be I would have been asked to stay longer. Like, I, are I was, you sure I can leave? Are you sure I can? Leave? <laughs> I should stay. No one spoke spoke English. I was kind of losing my mind. You know. <laughs> but between what the, between that film that she made and the thing you're doing, you're essentially talking about. Um, taking horrible things and making art with them. But if you look at my art, it looks like that. It, <laughs> it looks like, you know, I like to find the pretty and the ugly. You know, I like, I, I, I make pretty things out of grotesque images, you know. And, and a lot of people have said that to me. Like, you know, in the intros to my first photography book, you know, I had people, I had uh, Kim Gordon and... Uh, Debbie Harry, Andy Lincoln did it. Um, I, I maybe Guillermo del Toro did it, but I have all these intros in there, and they're all kind of saying that, like you, you, you take the grotesque and you make a beautiful image out of it. So, it, which I didn't realize I was doing, really, to be honest. But they, it, I, you know, if you're open to whatever is going to come, I think you can. It just sort of settles. By itself. Which is a very hard thing for a lot of people to do because, you know, we want to feel safe Mm. and being able to kind of control your environment and try to control outcomes is at least a perceived level of safety. Mm. I mean, I think, of course, it's an illusion. Nothing is really certain. Nothing is – very few things are certain, certain. Right, Right. And so if, you know, what you're talking about is essentially moving with life and just sort of riding the wave of it. And I I think that's – I mean, I really do think it's the best way to live if, if you can figure it out. But it is hard to let that go because, you know, you always you want to be prepared. Oh my God, if something goes on, it's like earthquake. Oh, there's gonna be an earthquake. Okay, let's go. We'll get all these boxes. We'll get all these food. We'll get all this water. We'll get, you know. But again, you can only be so prepared for everything. Yeah. So at what point do you just sort of let go and just and you know live life? I mean, you know, I mean, I left home in a real. I left home when I was twelve. So <laughs> how did you, know, you do that? Because I. It's a long story, but the I ended up in an apartment complex playing tennis with my friend's mother, who was a big tennis player. But I would go over there and like get food, and sometimes she'd buy me sneakers, and you know that, that's where the food was. Mm-hmm. And it was my you know my friend's house, and the mom kind of adopted me because you know I was just roaming the streets, and she taught me how to play tennis, and I got really good at tennis, and I played a tennis tournament and won the tennis tournament. And I would just I just knocked the shit out of the ball. And it's all I did. Get down low and knock the shit out of it. And I got really good. And a tennis coach came and was like, you know, and tried to he told me he wanted to take me and train me and take me to like Boletaries and John Newcombs and these schools for tennis. And I was like, Well, you gotta talk to my mom. And <laughs> and he showed up. And at the time the living arrangement wasn't so great. So she was like, You should go. And I'm like, What? She's let me go. And so I... Your mom did or the adopted mom? My mom did. My real mom. So, um, but that's how I played tennis was the adopted mom. Sure. But we weren't adopted. She was just my friend's mother. And your mom thought it's better for you to have take this opportunity yeah. than to stay yeah. here. It was, it was, there was a physical situation that was like, you know, sure. so I, 
it was just like you should go. I was like, what the fuck? But I kind of went with it, and it turned into this and turned into that. And, and you know, I think because I started out, like, I don't know what's around the corner. Where am I going? What am I doing? Like, and just let, you know, I never planned on being an actor. I, I, you know, I would never thought I was good enough at painting or photography or anything like that. I just liked doing it, so I just did it. And, you know, I know how to... I know how to to live very cheaply. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> I know how to make a box of uh, cornflakes last a long time. You know, right. so it it wasn't like I was asking for much. You know, I wasn't trying to get to the top of the mountain. I was just trying to like you know walk around it. You know. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move, or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales. Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. So it, I, I think if, like, you're nervous about, you know, you want to hear a crazy story? Yes. Okay. So I'm, in, I'm, I'm doing a ride, right? So I'm, I'm on a plane from Costa Rica flying to Uruguay. And oh, my I, gosh. I have a backpack with, like, you know, four pairs of dirty underwear and three pairs of dirty socks in it, and I'm covered in dust. Because it, it's dirt bikes all through Costa Rica. And no time to do anything except make this plane. So I'm filthy. Like, there's dirt all over me. And I'm just, I must smell horrible. I'm sitting on this plane. And there's this guy sitting next to me. And he's probably 65. And he's got shorts on. And he's kind of looking at me. And, he, and I can tell, you know, he's, he's not like me, really. So people are going up and down the plane. Hey, can I get an autograph? The stewardess says, can I get a picture? And it's happening for an hour, right? And finally, he leans over and he goes, "He goes, who are you?" And I said, "Oh, I'm on a TV show. That's what that is." And we start talking for a minute, and then I'm like, "What about you?" And he goes, "I own one of the largest Fortune 500 companies in the world." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." And he said, "He goes. He tells me the story. He says his mom dies, right? And he's you know on her deathbed, and she says, please do me a favor, run away.'" And he he doesn't doesn't know what she means, but he's you know trying to be there. Is and he young at this point? Is he? No, no. This oh. was this was ten months ago. Oh my god! And then his wife died like seven months ago. Oh my god! And when his wife died, he realized what his mom said because you know he goes home and there's no one there, and you know they I guess maybe they talked about it, but he tells the other people with this company, he's like, can you guys take care of the company? I'm going to leave for a while. And he, for seven months, this guy has been like, hey, my, my name is so-and-so. Uh, and they're like, you know what? You should go to Bolivia. And he's like, okay. And he'll just go to Bolivia. And he was on his way to Uruguay. He said he had just left Chile. And he, w- he was out in the middle of nowhere. And there's an intersection. And he's looking around. And there's no one for miles. And he takes out his phone. And he puts on a Prince song. And he puts it up on the crosswalk thing. And just starts dancing like crazy. Like, no one's around, just dancing like crazy. And he's telling me the story. 
And he goes, he's look, he looks me right in the eyes and he goes, you know, I've worked my entire life to be successful and make a lot of money. And it's just, it's been nonstop. He goes, I've wasted my whole life. And he's like, if I knew now, if I knew then what I know now, he goes, I wasted my whole life. He goes, I've all of this. And he goes, I wasted it. And that dude, he was look. he was standing, telling me stuff like he was a little kid, you know, like that you can get trapped up with like trying to get to the top of the mountain and it's like a thing and the you know it it can weigh you down and make you nervous about everything but he was happy he was happier now than i think he was 2 years ago well sure you know? because he's there there's that thing where you know we can attach our identities so much to our ambitions yeah and that's really dangerous because your ambitions are generally tied to external things that you not only can't yeah. control but also aren't really innately who you are they're yeah. just things that you want yeah but then those things can go away like totally. winds change shifts there's earthquakes there's this there's that things fall away things change you know and then if your ego's attached to that then you're fu- you're fucked yeah. and it sounds like he and thankfully he realized this before he was on his own deathbed yeah that there's really something about being a citizen of life about living life rather than putting off the living of life to acquire things that you think are... It's just like that fucking carrot is always out there and it's never going to be enough. It's never going to be enough until you, you know, let it all go and focus on the present. It's like watching a concert through your iPhone. (laughs) Right. So that you can post the concert that you're not watching. (laughs) And then you're not going to go back and watch it on your phone later anyway. Yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, the... You you ever hear this book called The Book of Letters? Uh, It sounds familiar. What is it? It's just letters. But it, there's one of the letters about Nick Cave. He, Nick Cave writes a letter that he's about to win like an MTV, you know, recording artist of the year or something. And he writes a letter to them saying, I can't accept the award. Because I feel like if I accept the award, my muse will leave me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's that sort of doing it. You do, you know, you do it because you want to do it. You don't do it to win the prize. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, I wonder, I mean, there must, I can understand, I mean, I definitely can understand that. I also wonder, like, you know, is there, is there a happy medium somewhere where it's like, you know, you can show, you, you, you can allow yourself maybe to do that. And maybe it's for other people. Maybe yeah. it's just so that they can say, hey, thanks. Hey, we appreciate what you're doing. And then if somehow you are able to still separate yourself, you know, your, your real self from that, yeah. you still can remain intact. I mean, it's just, it just kind of reminds me about how Andy Lincoln would never watch the show because he didn't want his performance yeah. affected. Did he watch it? He's, he's let a couple of things slip every once in a while. He goes, you know, you know that scene last night? I'm like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Because I know you don't remember that scene from six months ago, you know? <laughs> I, I never pushed him. You know what I mean? I mean, I know uh, probably Gail watched a lot of it and told him exactly what happened, but he might he might have snuck in the room once or twice. Yeah, yeah maybe he'll watch now. Maybe yeah. he'll, maybe he'll watch now. But but I do think it's it figuring out how to live in the present, figuring out how to simplify, figuring out how to you know not focus too much on the past, not be weighed down by the past, and not be hindered by the future yeah. is a real you know it's a real skill, and it sounds like you were. It sounds like you naturally evolved that way because you had to, you yeah. know, that was your... Or that, I was curious. You or know, maybe was, you were curious. Was, What's around that corner? Yeah, but, you know, it's, 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 
it's evolved. You know, like I wish I never read a comment section of anything in a, on the internet. You should. Ever. You should. I, I got to tell you, like, I, you know, I got into a trap of that a couple of seasons ago. And I'm like, what the fuck? You know, like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, <laughs> you know, it's like that Jane's Addiction song and Barry goes, if you got some big fucking singer, why don't you sing me something? You know, like, it, it, I was like, I, 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 there's parts of the internet and parts of people hiding behind anonymous posts that are just nasty that I got wrapped up into for a second. And I was like, oh my God, you know, they're like, you know, whether it's be something physical or they're, you know, they'll attack somebody that you're with or they'll just be, they'll just hate, hate, hate on everything. And you're like, my God, what's wrong with you? I mean, it's one thing, like, listen, everyone's allowed to criticize, hey, I don't like this thing. I don't like that thing. I, you know, even say, hey, I, don't, I, I didn't really understand your performance. I didn't like your performance. Fine. That's your opinion. But when it gets to like, you're a fucking piece of shit and you should yeah. choke on a turd and fuck off and anyone, your family should die. And then it's like, yeah. okay, well, that's, that's different. Can that's not. watch the show or not watch it? Like, why do, why do you need to tell me your opinion on, on why that, why that arrow hit the tree and not the bush? Well, like, everyone... I, why do I need to know that? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, literally, I, I'm not even asking for your opinion. You know, I'll do my thing. You do your thing. Either watch it or don't, you know. But it, it, what I'm saying is, like, that flow of letting things happen and being open to it, you know, all of a sudden I'm reading comments and I'm, like, listening to these opinions. And I'm, like, I had to, like, physically take the computer and throw it across the room and get back on the flow thing again because it's much more fun. You well, know? yeah. And also, I mean, it is... It's just it's just part of the whole package. I mean, you know, like the good news is that I think sometimes people get will get angry about Walking Dead in particular or any or Game of Thrones or whatever it is because they care so much and mm-hmm. it becomes a part of them. You know, it's like they really it it becomes like a part of their family. And so when it when it doesn't land you know, when the arrow lands in the bush and not in the tree or whatever, but they wanted it to land in the tree or vice versa, then it it's like personally a friend because it's so much a part of who they are. And the, the good, the positive thing about that is like, they love the show. Like they're attached to the show. You know, it just, it's unfortunate that sometimes it gets expressed in a way that can be very toxic, but it, but again, I mean, it's smart to be able to, cause some people just live in that space and they just, it's like, I got to convert everybody back over. I got to understand. It's like, you're never gonna, you know, it's like, just let people have their opinions. You don't have to engage in it. It doesn't have to, you know, like, just live your life, you know? You know, can you imagine if I went to De Niro and I'm like, taxi driver, like, why the fuck did you have a mohawk? Why the mohawk? The mohawk, I mean, nobody has a mohawk anymore. Like, it, he'd be like, what the fuck is your problem? And then they're like, you don't understand. I love that character so much. And he should have had you a sure you wouldn't say? You sure you wouldn't say, are you talking to me? I feel like maybe yeah, you'd say, are you talking yeah. to me? You know, I mean, look at that. You watch a David Lynch movie. Like, literally... It must. There must be so much criticism in that, but it doesn't seem to bother David Lynch. It well, seems like he's doing his own thing, every, which is what we want. Well, David know? Lynch in particular is like a master of transcendental meditation and yeah. has been for you know fifty yeah. years. And yeah. so he, I'm, you know, I'm starting. To, Samantha and I are going to do that in Atlanta when I get back. I recommend it. Yeah. I've do been do doing that? it. I've been doing it oh, for wow. like a year and a half. Wow! And it's great. I mean, it's it's really great. The thing that I can tell you about it, and I think the reason that you would really love it is that. You know, especially because you're just hearing about, like, all these art, art gallery stuff that you're doing, and then you're shooting Ride, and then you're shooting Walking Dead, and you, you know, and you have a new baby, and you also have a son who's, like, 20. You know, it, the more we take on, much like the Fortune 500 guy, 
he's probably miserable because he had no space in his life. Yeah. And what TM helps to create is space wow. between you and the world so that you don't always feel like this raw nerve being poked. Oh, dude, I totally need that. Then, <laughs> I, 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 then if someone bitched about whether a, a, a crossbow bolt went me. into a bush or a tree, you would, you would be able to... It's sort of like that scene in the, in the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man where Flash Thompson goes to punch him and then he kind of stops and looks at the fist right. going by. Right. He's in, like, Spider-Man time. Yeah. It's very similar to that where you, like, rather than... You, 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 it allows you the ability to respond rather than react. Right. Which is, you know. That, that's what I need. That's what, that's, and plus I'm jacked on coffee and I'm super jet lagged at the moment. So maybe that has something to do with it. <laughs> but I honestly think, but, yeah. but I honestly think that, you know, that was such a powerful experience to talk to this guy, this, this guy who thinks he, and again, you know, it's, again, that's also subjective. Did he waste his life? Who knows? If he hadn't. You know, like he could have traveled younger, but then would have appreciated it as much. Yeah. Now he really appreciates it because he, you know, unfortunately had to suffer through loss and had to suffer through the misery of the responsibility. Of- he was enjoying, he was enjoying letting it happen. Right? You know, he didn't have a, I mean, like the best motorcycle rides are not like, oh, I'm going to go down there and I'll be back on Tuesday. It's literally like, let's just go west. Mm-hmm. And not having a schedule; those are the best ones. And be open to whatever yeah. whatever you find. Whatever happens. Yeah. I mean, it, it. What are you doing to pass the time when you're sitting in a hotel in Germany, when your face is all carved up? I mean, are you like before you start setting up Army Men and making a movie? Are you just watching TV all the time? Are you writing? Um, are you trying to photograph? Are you going out in public? Or are you just basically like imprisoned in this hospital? I, I was just freaking out. I was I was laying in bed and you know, you're they have you hooked up to everything, so you're just kind of like you're sort of in a vegetative state the whole time. But when I started to walk around and I could look myself in the mirror and I was like, Oh my god, what am I going to do? Um I went to a little panic thing. And then started to make things with my hands. You know, like I started to to pick things up. I started to move things. I started to think about things other than myself. Um, and that turned into that. And oh, that was a that was a very powerful sentence that I don't want people to lose. You started thinking about things other than yourself. That's exactly it. Yeah. That's and I think that's exactly maybe what that guy was experiencing too. He was experiencing the yeah. world, so he wasn't just yeah. We get so fucked up and we're just focused on ourselves. Yeah, it's a dangerous place to be there. Yeah, did having your first child did that give you some like oh life is really about this and did that change your perspective? Um, what, what was sort of, what was sort of the how do you feel like you grew from Mingus versus the new uh, the new child? It you know it's similar and it's very different. The um, you know. Mingus, when he was really little, was already on a path. Like he was a he was a smart kid. Like he would he would do things like he would take like boxes of little animals, little tiny toy animals, and he would put them in a line all the way around, snake them around the room. And if you if you moved like the giraffe to the left, or you swapped it with the panda bear, he would come in and nose it. Go, who moved that? <laughs> And you're like, how do you even know that that is moved? You know, I mean, you know what I mean. Like he would, he would do stuff. I, I knew he was on a path, so you know, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I used to I used to take like the, that gallery I was talking about. He used to, <laughs> for example, that we did a show. We put on the artwork for one of Heidi Klum's first Halloween bashes in New York, right? So we had artists around the clock making things to put in this in this Halloween party, right? And I had ordered these these bugs that were what it is. I made a I made a giant like nine foot plexiglass box, and I made an eight pound polyurethane foam life size statue of myself, painted it blue in my underwear holding a knife and the thing was I was going to fill it full of flies and have microphones in there and speakers on the outside was like you know the fly larva ended up melting because I and Mingus is asleep right here and he wakes me up because I put it in front of a heater I was like I, I don't have time for this to, to fucking hatch and for some reason I thought maybe it would speed up the process and not do any damage but it he wakes me up in the middle of the night, Daddy, it smells in here. It, you know, and I made larva soup. So I had to replace those <laughs> bugs with a different bug. But and and then I ended up doing it with rats. Mingus and I go to all the petcos, you know, around the city and rats are jumping out of the car. We borrowed a car, jumping around, going up the dashboard, and he's diving from the backseat to the front seat trying to catch the rats. You know, and and you know, he he was always around that. So with him being the type of kid he was with this type of personality, he just wanted to be there around, you know? And if I'm doing stuff, he's doing stuff. And he's helping me make things. And, you know, so I just included him in my life as what I was doing. I, I you know, money and stuff like that, I didn't have as much then as I do now with this new baby. So I, 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 I wasn't worried about it, but but, you know, I have a nanny now. Sure. <laughs> I travel with a nanny. It's different right. now. But the little girl thing is is different because you you it's like it's it you want to protect it in a different way. She's like you know, I mean I'm she, she's got me wrapped on her finger. Mingus was like, "Let's go. Let's do stuff." And of course, he had me wrapped around his finger, but I I just Mingus was I knew he was going to be okay. I knew he was he could handle it. He was like down the little girl you're like it, you just want to put like a big golden wall around her like nobody heard her, you know. So it's it's a different vibe and I'm at a different time in my life and uh you know you know the partners are different, the people are different, the times are different. So they're they they were very very different. And one's a boy, one's a girl. It's it's different. And Mingus and her get along great. I mean, they literally. He's so fascinated with her, and and when you know, whenever he has the chance, he's over like holding her and playing with. It. Like it's it's really beautiful to watch. Oh, that's nice. He, he's going to protect her. You know, you know. It, it's 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 a really really solid combination. All of it. Do you still feel? Do you still feel like you're able to live open? Or this might be a weird question. Or do you feel a little? imprisoned by success in a weird sort of way do you feel like i always know i got to show up at this time i this the, my, my next year is planned out i'm going to be here this time here this time this time is that if if you live kind of early in life where you have a little more of a transient vibe now you do have a lot of the material things that you probably as a young actor were like oh i want to work and i want to do this but is, is there a part of it that feels a little constrictive no it's just different um I was doing what I wanted to do while Mingus was a kid, and I was always busy. And I was I was under always under a deadline. It's like I, you know, I wasn't 
just sitting around playing with paints. And so I would, I, we would have been doing a show. Like we, 10 of us were putting a show together. We'd have, we'd have to have the show ready. We had, you know, we, there was always a deadline for what we were doing. And there wasn't, you know, there's no money really going into my pocket for it. Not really. Um, but I was doing what I wanted to do. This with the baby girl, she comes, I mean, she's, she's on set right now with, with Diane in, in Europe. You know, like, and I just left there yesterday. So, you know, we all live together in Georgia. The nanny lives there. We all live together in New York. The nanny has her own area. We travel as a pack, you know, so it's, it's just different. It's, it's not, it's not harder. It's not um, easier. It's not restricting in any way. It's just a different mode. You yeah. Know? Which I, I will say the, the fame thing is different because... You know, we we didn't want pictures of the little girl all over the place. We weren't going to put her on Instagram. We weren't going to. It was like our thing. It was like I, we wanted to protect her. You know, and and Mingus when he was, you know, younger, not at that age, of course, but, you know, I mean, I would, you know, I would get threats about how pe- someone was going to hurt Mingus, like season two of our show. Oh like, my god! You know, I would get, you know, how you how you get to Norman, you get to his son. You're like, I, you know. I was constantly like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I didn't want to have to do that with her, you know. And, you know, it's those it's those those Internet people like, you know, that's not his baby. And, you know, it's it's just writing stupid shit, you know. Oh, they call the paparazzi whenever they go. It's fucking ridiculous. Right. You know, and I, I do. There is that element to it now where there's photographers that, you know, across the street, like, all day long. So there's, you know, in New York especially, there's they're literally camped out in front of our house all day, every day. And, you know, if you don't hide the baby in the stroller with the thing down over her face, someone's going to go, oh, he's parading the kid around. But you don't want to have to live like that. So you, you kind of figure out how to do it and live your life the way you want to live it and, and be happy about it but not be exploitive and not have the people, you know, who are going to say shitty stuff bother you. It's there, it, it, that about the two children are different. They're a little bit different. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't famous with Mingus. You know what I mean? I was just this weird New York kid, you know, making his things, but you know, not like now, not, not after walking dead, you know, whether you're shipping 100 packages a month or thousands ship station lets you automate routine shipping tasks and easily handle returns. Manage orders, print labels, compare rates, optimize every shipment, and automate delivery notifications with ShipStation's easy-to-use dashboard. Plus, you can access industry-leading discounted rates from USPS, UPS, DHL, and Global Post, with discounts up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. Over 130,000 companies have grown their e-commerce businesses with ShipStation. And 98% of companies that stick with ShipStation for a year become customers for life. Optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Use promo code WONDERY today at ShipStation.com to sign up for your free 60-day trial. That's ShipStation.com promo code WONDERY. I mean, is it? Do you ever envision a time where someday you're going to go? You know, I'm just going to go live in some rural area every day, <laughs> every fucking day. 
Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like right now. Is it a farm? Yeah. Is it a cabin? Is it a what? What kind of lifestyle is it? I got my jungle spot. I go to in Costa Rica. That's literally for that purpose. Uh, I have an upstate place that, you know, I I go hide in, but you know, it, you know it's it's. Uh, I mean, my goal when I was in high school was to just live in a house in the woods by myself with a bunch of cats and make art. That was like my goal. You know, that's who I wanted to be. Somehow, full circle, I, I might end up doing that, you know? And do you see it as photography? Do you see it as sculpture? Do you see it as All just it, like anything that just whatever kind of strikes you? Yeah, you know, um, yeah, but, you know, and, I, and my tastes change all the time. Um, you know, it, it's, it's all kind of connected, you know, uh, but, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you know my schedule, like I'm literally, I'm, I'm on an airport all the freaking time and, and that hustle, that hustle, like I wouldn't mind winding down. Maybe I'll be on the producing side of something. Maybe I'll, you know, stay over here and over there. You know, I want to spend the thing, you know, when I did Walking Dead, I was constantly in Georgia, and I was like racing back to New York to hang out with Mingus. And then, you know, I have an hour off. I'm racing back to hang out with Mingus. Like, I don't want to do that again with the new baby. I don't. I don't. I I want them there, you mm-hmm. know. And if Diane's doing a movie, like, I don't mind going for a month and just walking around a foreign country. Like, I, I does not bother me. I can, I'll, I I'm not. I'm not. You know that. I'm not crazy like that. I can find something to do and be happy doing it, but I don't want to be away from my kid. I don't want to miss any time. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And I think that's what happens as we start to get older is that we really do understand in it. Because you and I aren't that, we're pretty close and we're fairly close in age. Is that, um, you, you, you know, you just are kind of like, oh yeah, time goes fast. It's yeah. already mid-2019. How the fuck did yeah. that happen? It's July. Yeah. We're at Comic-Con right now. Like, yeah. how does this happen? It's going to be fall soon, and then it's going to be Christmas. Like, I'm already, we're already making plans for Christmas. Christmas 2019, it feels like 2019 just started. Yeah, it and really does, and it's going by quickly. It is going by yeah. quickly, so you, you just, it's like, it just kind of feels like this slippery little eel that you got to time is that you just got to, like, figure out how to grab and ride on and ride along with rather than yeah. just watching them, watching it fly by. Yeah. You can't buy time. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's... It's the most important thing you have is time. You know? I wonder, did you happen to trade information with that guy, the Fortune 500 guy? No, and I didn't even ask him what company I was. He, I didn't ask him. I, I was just gonna let him keep doing his. It'd just thing. be so yeah. interesting to find out, like what. Yeah. Eventually, if he decides to go back to work or just yeah. bail out and continue being a wanderer to just experience the world. Yeah. Um. Is that me? Um, that might be me. I'm sorry. It's Nicotero. Um, it's funny. I talked to Andy this morning, and uh, and I was like, "Dude, it's so weird that you're not here." I was like, "I miss charging all my incidentals on your room," <laughs> you know. <laughs> and he goes, "He goes, I just want you to know that's the sole reason why I left the show." <laughs> you know, I was like. And you know, yesterday I was in LA. I landed Paris to LA, and I'm at a hotel, and I have a meeting, a breakfast meeting, you know, the next morning. I walk downstairs like half awake, and Bernthal runs up and gives me a hug, and I'm like, "Wow, what are you doing here?" And he's like, "I was meeting a director about a film. I just I stood straight up and just walked away from him." <laughs> you know, it's so nice to see all those dudes. Like you know, John and I talk all the time, and Andy and I talk, and Stephen, and you know, it's. 
it's been a wild ride on this show going from that group and being one of the last people left this long. It, mm-hmm. It's it's such a trip, I have to tell you. And I and I love the fact that you know an audience member can see my hair get gray on my chin throughout the years, like can see the character evolve and turn into something else. It's great, but um, you know, I don't want to let time go by with you know i i don't i love doing the show and I'll, i i want to bookend it but i i wouldn't do another 15 season show at this point i you know if i was on jeopardy and i want a thousand dollars i wouldn't go for the five hundred thousand dollar prize i go i'll take the check bye <laughs> you know what i mean you know you know I'm, I'm, I, I, if i go outside people i'll take i'll take 10 steps and someone will want a, a photo it, not just comic-con anywhere right I have enough money to live off. My my kids are going to be fine. I, I I want the time. You know what I mean? Like, I like to work, but, you know, I, I've been hustling since I was 12. Yeah. You know? I don't need to hustle forever. Yeah, you know? and also, it, I mean, <clears throat> just in terms of, like, even if you're just judging by material success, it's like, well, how much does one person need, exactly. really? Like, what do yeah. you, like, what do you really, you know, it's like, if you, you're going to get to a point... I mean, I, you're from, scientifically, if you have enough to survive and then a little bit more on top of that to be yeah. comfortable, it's like everything else, like what do you, how much, how much do you need to fill a hole? You know what I mean? Yeah. If, I, if I'm a billionaire and I still don't know how to turn on my surfboard, I'll be pissed. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can go straight. That's all I can do. You know, you know what I, mean? I want to learn how to do that now. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? What are you... What are you particularly joyful about in the world right now? I assume it's probably your daughter. Is there anything in addition to that that kind of like... Yeah, I have a really good relationship right now. I mean, like, Dinah and I are really a strong bond. And it's, it's, you know, I met her on a movie. We didn't know much about each other. And, you know, the movie is about two people falling in love. And we generally fell in love. And it was like a, you know, it was a great pairing. So... She's, that's really good. It's, you know, it's funny because I, you know, you come to LA and, you know, I used to live in LA and you have, you know, you you have that friend of yours or a couple of friends that, you know, you see it all the time. You see like a guy and he's like in his fifties and he's, you know, still looking for the 20 year old girlfriend, like forever and ever and ever. And you're just like, it's just not a good look. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a good look. And... You know, like, so what have you been up to? Oh, I shot the Chili Peppers in 91. Like, <laughs> what are you doing now? Oh, you know, I shot the Chili Peppers in 91. You ever see the photos? I'm like, yeah, I fucking saw them 12 years ago. But, you know, it's, you know, if you find somebody you click with, just make that work. Just invest in that, you know? So it's, you know, I think people think the grass is always greener on the other side and they don't realize that it it's sometimes really nice where they're standing. So I, I just, I'm happy about that. Well, know? that's good too. And then also, again, that's about getting out of your own head yeah. and relationships do take investment and they do take care and yeah. they don't just, they happen in the beginning easily because we're all, you know, hopped up on new relationship energy, but it did, but yeah. a really good solid relationship takes care and, yeah. and nurturing and, you know, yeah. and my mom's healthy. My mom's happy. Good. Mingus is killing it. You know, there's a lot to be thankful for. The show's, Awesome! Like I love being on the show. I love working with all these people. People still bring up Boondock Saints too. Oh, I always yeah. feel like there's a bunch of all the time. 
I, I just did Conan, and on the way out, the security guys were like, "When are we doing Boondock?" You know? <laughs> I'm like, "Probably never." <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I've, I've I've really enjoyed the ride, and I, I'm curious to see where we go next. I I don't I don't really worry about things so much. The only thing I would like is like a nap. <laughs> just a nap. Just a nap. Just smush yeah. a nap in somewhere. Yeah, that's it. Maybe, Do you not the, sleep maybe on planes? the TM. I can't, you know, and and uh, you know, sometimes like if I take a sleeping pill or something, I, I you know, it's supposed to knock you out for five hours. I get like an hour out of it, but um, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm always always needing that. Maybe the TM would be great for me. I mean, it is good because it it the, it if when you kind of learn how to do it, it can be like as restful as because sometimes if you take a nap depending on when you wake up in your sleep cycle you just feel worse yeah or you wake up and it's dark outside and you're just confused and sweaty yeah. you're like what fuck? i don't know what day it is yeah. where am i yeah. you know tm's like 20 minutes you do it in the morning really should do it in the afternoon too but i tend to just do it in the morning because i get caught up and stuff but uh i heard howard stern talking about it he's he, he's and, a big guy just seinfeld yeah. stern yeah. he was he said he just go he goes into like a closet at work and he spends 20 minutes and it feels like he just slept four hours. Yeah. 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 It's it because it it and it's it doesn't require effort. It's literally the opposite of effort. You're just letting go. The guy who runs the David Lynch Foundation, Bob Roth, said you just imagine like you're holding a tennis ball and you just relax your hand and you just let the oh, tennis well, ball I, fall. You know, I I'm Bob Ross? Bob Roth. I'm pretty sure R O T H. Pretty sure I have his email. <laughs> I'm should. not I'm not kidding. He was on the podcast, he gave out his email on the podcast. He was like, if anyone wants to ask me about TM Bob Ross, yeah, that's, yes, 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 the yeah. TM guy, yeah, 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 yeah. that's yeah. him, yeah. that's him, he'll hook you up, you know, yeah. he'll get someone who can, who can teach you how to do it, and I think you'll really appreciate it, because it, it does give you space, it does let you sort of push the rest of the world out, and in as much as we shouldn't focus on ourselves all the time, we shouldn't neglect ourselves either, we right. shouldn't neglect the self-care. So it's good that you're thinking along those lines, so you don't end up like that <laughs> that guy who had a yeah, crushing I'm, epiphany. You know that uh, Samantha on the show. Yeah, Samantha. She's, yeah, she's we. You know, we were talking about it, and she found a place in Atlanta. So we might, and it's the same people. Good. Yeah. So we might start doing it there together. That's good. Yeah. yeah let me know how it goes. You, yeah. you know, and if I can offer any help or pointers or whatever, then then let me know. I mean, I'm, I know I'm, nothing about it. I know. I, other than what I've heard, I don't know if it's a mantra you say or if it's a you know it's some sort of meditation. You're given a mantra, but it doesn't mean anything. It's basically the mantra you repeat in your head because obviously when you shut your eyes and you lean back, your mind is going to wander. You know, it's like you can quiet your mind for a second, but then you'll start thinking about bills or this or that. Right. And so when you get to those places, you remember the mantra. You're never supposed to tell anyone the mantra because it doesn't mean anything, but they'll give you the word. And then it, everyone gets a slightly different word. Um, who and, chooses your word? Well, I, you know, like the person who taught me how to do it gave, right. gave it to me. We did this little sort of like gratitude ritual. It's not religious in any way. Is it's, it based on your personality, your word? I don't know. I don't know. It, it's like she just said, don't attach any meaning to it. It doesn't mean anything. It's just designed so that when your mind starts to wander, you repeat the word because it sort of pulls you back into the center of what you're doing and sort of just like clears everything back out. Right, right. And then, you know, it clears back out. And then you, you really do drift. Wow. And um, and then in, you know, twenty minutes later, you 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 energized. Yeah. You you're energized. Yeah, you feel good. But but the, but the long term effects are again feeling space, feeling more like oh I'm calm. You know, someone cut me off in traffic and I didn't scream at him. I just kind of like. Yeah. Hmm. I think that's why I like riding a motorcycle because it I just shut off. You shut off and you just ride. Yeah. 
Yeah, which is the when is Ride coming back? Comes back in October. This season's crazy. We went to Uruguay, Costa Rica, where I met the where I met the guy. Um, we went to Tokyo, Kyoto, Osaka, oh, Alabama Japan. with Rooker because he's from Alabama, which was insane. Uh, and then we went to uh, Kentucky. Yeah, it was it was a crazy season. The show's fun. Like I really, I, I just met Tom Cruise. We were talking about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, let's go to Vietnam. Come to Vietnam with me. <laughs> oh my god, that sounds yeah. like something you would totally do. Yeah, and he he said he would. And, but the, his stunt guy that does all the motorcycle stuff with him in the Mission Impossible movies, Greg Smurz, is my stunt guy on ride. Oh wow! Yeah. If Tom said he'll do it, he'll do it. Yeah. Because I moderated a panel with him here a handful of years ago, and I just at the end I said, "Hey, would you ever do the podcast?" And he looked me in the eye and he said, I, "I'll do it." And like nine months later, he did it. Wow. So if he said he'd do it, he's yeah. just one of those guys yeah. that actually does what he says he's going to do. You know, a friend of mine, a producer, this girl Tracy Falco, has worked with him. And she saw a picture that Jeffrey Dean Morgan posted with Tom Cruise. And she's like, oh, my God, you met TC. And I said, you know what? Also, he came up to me and he goes, you're really good on that show. Oh, man. And I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, Tom Cruise, <laughs> Tom Cruise watches our show. Oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and I told her that. And she's like, that's amazing. And I go, I go, do you think he was just like pulling my leg trying to be nice and she goes he doesn't lie and I was like oh my god oh my god oh my god, oh my god. Tom Cruise watch the show oh my, god, oh my god oh my god yeah because he doesn't really stand to gain anything by coming yeah. up and saying like he just wouldn't say anything yeah. you know because he doesn't why, he doesn't need to and then she's like he, he doesn't lie that's his thing and I'm like oh my god I like him even more <laughs> like what a great way to live your life oh I my god I lie. hope the Tom Cruise episode of Ride and, happens yeah right I really hope that happens well I'm just I'm so happy for you and I, you know of all these years just sort of being in the passenger car of well, I'm, I'm talking that is the sidecar, basically, and it's just been so wonderful to watch everyone grow yeah. and to watch everyone appreciate the show and the fans and the experience as much as they do, which I think has also led to the success of the show. Yeah, because yeah. I think people know like you're in it with them and you appreciate it with them. Yeah, well, and, you're in it with them too. Like you're you're a part of this as well. Like it's it's a group effort and. Everybody has each other's backs, which is great, you know. And this show started that way. It started with the actors, the producers, the writers. Everybody involved had each other's back, you know. That's that's the part about this show I like the best, you know. And then, as we're kind of wrapping this down, uh, any piece of advice that you have for people like artists who are trying to find their thing, trying to push through, trying to. You know, maybe if they're stuck in a hospital after a horrible truck accident or whatever it is, if they're emotionally in that place or they are physically in that place and they're trying to find their inspiration, they're trying to make art when they feel like maybe because you can't it's hard to make art every day. Like some days you just feel empty, of, of course. you know. Yeah. So how do you push through that? How would you how would you tell people to push through it to find their thing? Oh, wow. Everyone's different. You know, um, I guess, you know, just give yourself a break just you know take a breath and just like like look at something and just focus on it like in a different way like i mean the world's hectic enough and i think you know if you if you know how to cook and you know spices and you know heat you know flavors you'll probably be really good at piano you know what i mean like it's all sort of connected Mm -hmm. you know that's great yeah well thank you for being here and uh i hope I know that uh, Comic-Con is a crazy-ass schedule for you. Uh, yeah, it's not. <laughs> do you it's immediately good. go back to Atlanta after this? Yeah, uh, Sunday to work Monday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. As, as I'm doing ADR for Ride and at the same time. so 
Well, uh, take care of yourself. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you, Norman. Yeah, it was my pleasure, bro. Good to see it's you. Good to see you too, man. ID Tenty scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts